You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. What is up, everybody? Welcome in to this edition of Big Drive Energy. This is a special short edition for you guys this week. We'll have another podcast coming out later in the week with Ryan Shively, who is the uh, assistant golf pro over at TPC Colorado, where Mitch and I drunkenly spent our Sunday afternoon watching the TPC or the Colorado Championship at TPC here on Lakes up in Berthoud. We had a great time. Saw a three-hole pl- or two-hole playoff with three players. Just an absolute blast all around, and what a great venue that is. But we'll save a little bit of that talk um, for next, or for when we get Ryan on here in a little. But for now, we're going to do a little British Open, the Open preview. Um, it's not really called the British Open anymore. Um, now it's called the Open. So uh, they didn't have this tournament last year, and uh, we're going to get into get into it and give you guys our Draft Kings, of course, who sponsors this podcast. Our DraftKings picks of the week for the British Open. It's uh, it's a real early one, so if you if you like staying up late or getting up real early to watch golf, this is the tournament for you. Um, anyways, so I am your host at Big Drive Spence, of course, here with my brother at Big Drive Mitch. He's got some experience playing some courses in Scotland, so we're gonna get his insight to that as well. But how you doing, brother? Good to see you. Good to see you too, brother. Yeah, I. Uh... I will correct you real quick. This Open Championship is actually in England. Well, I know yeah. it's in England. It's, it's, it's in Sandwich. <laughs> it's in fucking Sandwich. It's, it's in. What? How can you forget that? It's called the town is called Sandwich. I should move there. Um, God knows I've eaten enough sandwiches in my life, but 
the, yeah, I, I do have some experience playing those types of courses, so I'm, it, it definitely takes on a different meaning when you've experienced that type of golf. And so I'm really stoked to watch it. I, I did not play in England. Um, I, I get what you mean. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I played the same style of golf. So this week usually has a little bit, not of a different meaning. I'm not going to get all soft and sentimental and shit, but it just feels different when you've played that type of golf over there in in England or in wherever, the UK and Ireland. It just kind of hits different. So it's it's always a fun tournament for me to watch and, and kind of go through some of the shots that you hit and reminisce on playing over there. So I'm, I'm stoked. Love it. So first, let's get into, we'll talk a little bit about the John Deere Classic from last week, the Birdie Fest. Um, wasn't quite as crazy as I thought it would be uh, when we were kind of previewing it and talking about it last week. Of course, really awesome for Lucas Glover to get his first win in 10 years. And it feels like this year, dude, has been a lot of that. It's been like guys that haven't won, haven't contended, and all of a sudden they're coming out and winning another tournament again. And it's, it's truly the only sport where that can really happen. It's the only sport where somebody can still be playing for 10 years and then go into a winner's circle and become an absolute, like a champion and beat everybody in a field after they haven't done that for 10 years. Like You can't really compare it because all the other sports are team sports, um, but it's almost like if John Elway came back you know, in 2010 or 11 when Tebow was on his run and Elway was already the, the general manager of the Denver Broncos and he all of a sudden started playing quarterback again and won them a Super Bowl. It's kind of kind of the equivalent. I mean, you can't compare him directly, but pretty close to that, that effect. Yeah, I would say it's more like John Elway winning a regular season game. It's not quite a Super Bowl. I mean, it's the John Deere Classic. It's not the U.S. Open or the Open Championship. But, yeah, I mean, for him to be able to, to come back and do that, uh, maybe his wife won't whip his ass this week, hopefully. Um, I think he, he's earned the, the right to not get verbally abused by his wife. Uh, that's a joke for anybody who doesn't know. Lucas Glover came out and said that his wife would verbally abuse him and, and, I don't know, like maybe physically abuse him if he played poorly in golf tournaments, which is just really fucked up. And sorry for the joke, but I had to go there. And uh, he is kind of unique also because he doesn't wear a glove. One of the very few guys on tour to not wear a glove at all. And his um, last name is Glover. It's pretty ironic, to be honest. Yeah, he's one of the only guys that doesn't wear a glove, and his they, name's Glover. They well, should rename him Lucas Zero Glover, or No Glover. You really sleuthed that one out there, partner. Um, <laughs> I don't wear a glove, yeah. dude. I'm No Glove Gang, too. I fucking love it. I can't wear a See, glove. See, I, I, I don't get that. Like, my hands get way too sweaty. I... And not if I, I don't know if I'm probably just a sweaty person. Not even if I'm nervous, I just sweat. And especially on a hot summer day, that club would go fucking flying into the weeds. So that's why I try to keep that thing on me. Um, but <laughs> we, Lucas Glover, congratulations, man. John Deere Classic winner, bagged over a million dollars. Did that get him into the Open Championship? Is that? Um, I would assume it did, right? Or no, is it too uh, late for I, that? I think so, yeah. I think... That was probably because he's not very high up in the world rankings. I would assume he wasn't in previous to that. But yeah, kind of like Stuart Sink this year, he's won twice. Uh, pretty old dude who hasn't been relevant for a while. Yeah, there has been a few dudes kind of coming back from from 
the the bottom of the barrel to make a name for themselves again this year and win themselves a couple tournaments. So I uh, and uh, like if we're going to talk about the Scottish Open now too, is kind of similar thing. Um, I don't know if you saw, but Ian Poulter just about came back and won it. He shot sixty three on Sunday to tie the clubhouse lead and missed the playoff by one shot, but had an insane Sunday. Um, so sorry, I just kind of transitioned right into the Scottish Open from there. But did you have anything else on the John Deere? No, well, I was going to say a couple things. Uh, first of all, Lucas Glover looks horrible without a beard. He looked way better when he had a beard, so he needs to go back to that stat. Um, but the other thing is, Luke, I did, I did Maybe find Maybe his it. wife ripped it off his face. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> But Glover is playing in the Open Championship this weekend, so whether or not it was the win, he's 79th in the PGA Tour world ranking, so, I mean, he's not terrible, but getting him back to the winner's circle sure didn't hurt his chances of playing in golf's final major this year, which is kind of sad. What? Yeah, it's super sad. The major season is super short now. When was the last time Glover won? I don't know if you can pull that up real quick. It was but I, 2011. I, was it at... Um, Oh, out in Charlotte, uh, where they have the wind. Um, well, I remember he won the tournament. Quail like, Hollow. Yeah. I think his last one was at Quail Hollow 10 years ago, when Nike still made golf clubs, because I think he was a Nike guy. He was a big Nike guy. Yeah, his first win on the PGA Tour was in 2005. Um, he won the U.S. Open at Bethpage Black. I do not. Was it like 08, 09? 09. I do not remember that at all. And yeah, he won. Well, you the, were just starting to play golf, so. He won the Wells Fargo at, in 2011. So. That's what I, I remember him at Quail Hollow. I, that is the only thing I really remember about his career. Um, up until now, him winning the John Deere ski. He played pretty well on Sunday, too, yeah? Yeah, he shot. Um, he shot 65. No, 64. On Sunday. Damn, that's, so, a, that's six, a come from behind win there. Yeah, 68, is, 63, 70, 64. So. That is pretty damn good. Well, yeah, congrats again to Lucas Glover. Uh, seems like a good dude. Can't really say a whole lot else about him, so let's, let's move it along. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the Scottish Open because what – I didn't even I wasn't paying close enough attention and when I saw the field at the John Deere I was like oh that makes sense that not a lot of the guys are playing golf this week they're taking it off they're heading over across the pond and then I looked at the Scottish Open field and I was like holy shit I got to toss some DraftKings bets down on these on this tournament because it was a star-studded field and uh, luckily I didn't bet too much because it was won by kind of a no name um, but I I, uh, a really good field and a lot of players that are kind of looking to round their game into shape for this different style of golf course that they're going to play this week, you know, for the, the, the Open Championship, which is much different than a lot of the PGA Tours play week to week and a true link style course. So uh, talk a little bit about the Scottish Open, uh, three-way playoff at 18 uh, under and a few players that played pretty well that we're probably going to be picking this week, or I am at least. I know I looked at their, their Scottish Open results. So three-way playoff between Detry, Fitzpatrick, and Minwoo Lee, who ended up winning with a birdie on the 19th hole. Yeah, so I, I'll, well, I'll get into my, my picks later, but a couple of my picks played pretty well in the Scottish Open, and one of them is Matt Fitzpatrick. He's... I'm, I'm going with a lot of English countrymen. I just feel like 
they have those they have that kind of fight in them like that that kind of um want i don't know how to put it that kind of drive like to to represent their their home country and really win it on their home turf so i i do think an englishman is going to win it this week i could be off on that but that's just my gut feeling um Yes, and Fitzpatrick's playing great. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Seven of the top eighteen in the uh, at the Renaissance Club for the Scottish Open were all uh, European or uh, Englishmen. Excuse me, they're all European except for okay. Americans. Dude, by the way, I don't know if you heard the announcer say Renaissance is like rain. Like it didn't even sound like the same word. And that, you know, like English people say shit just different. But I'm like, how is that not Renaissance? Like, yeah, I think he was like. I think he said like Renaissance. Like I the, think that's what it was. The was Renaissance like, Club. The Renaissance Club. I'm like, huh? What the fuck are you talking about, dude? But anywho, yeah, actually that that course is a really good track from what I've heard. My, uh, Eric Hallberg, one of our buddies, I know he's been over there quite a bit. He's he's caddy for his dad in a few British Opens um, and a few senior British Opens too. So he knows what it's like over there on that side of the pond, but. I think he was out at the Renaissance Club for a while, for a couple of weeks, and he said it was fucking amazing. But it's like right along the coastline, um, right outside of Edinburgh, just east of Edinburgh, and and there's Muirfield there. Uh, there's Renaissance. There's uh, there's like four or five just really really good like borderline open championship worthy golf courses like right next to each other. So that place is just insanely filled with golf and great golf. Um, but I thought John Rahm was really not going to run away with it, but he just kind of looked like he was in that unbeatable mode. He was 12 under the first two days, and I don't I don't know really what happened to him on the weekend. I didn't watch that much of it um, to see, because I know he wasn't at the top of the leaderboard, but I really didn't see where he, he stood at the end of the tournament. But He finished 7th at 16 under. Uh, okay, he finished seven, so he only shot four under on the weekend. And see, that's the thing is, like, right now it looks like a lot of that area, um, the U.K., Ireland, blah, 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 it looks like they're having a pretty mild summer because it looked pretty damn nice. I mean, it rained for a little bit, uh, but it didn't look super windy for the Scottish Open. And I looked up the weather for the the British or the Open Championship, and it looks pretty damn nice, like high 60s, low 70s wind under 20 miles an hour and sunny not a not a real chance of rain in the forecast so i think this open championship may look a little bit different than in years past like because that's what really gives the course its teeth you know the fairways are fairly wide um there's not a lot of hazards necessarily uh there's a lot of bunkers there's a lot of native but there's not a lot of water you know besides the ocean um so yeah it, it could look a little different for the open championship this week going back to the scottish real quick i like i said i thought john Rahm was gonna run away with it and then uh fitzpatrick just played good golf all week he's built for that kind of golf he, he's really good at controlling his ball he doesn't hit it a long way but he really really good at ball striking he hits his he can hit a low fade. He can hit a high fade. He just—I think he kind of lives with that medium fade. But he's got a really good short game, and he is—you know—he's a native over there. He's from England, so he knows that style of golf. And I think he's had a few pretty high finishes over there. I don't know if he's won anything really linksy over there, but he definitely knows that style. So 
I, I do like him for the Open Championship. And then Poulter, uh, like I said, he's another one of my low-key picks for this upcoming week because he played so well at the Scottish. And I don't know if you saw the odds, but he's plus 8,000. Uh, coming off a second-place finish, him being a native countryman. And he's kind of one of those guys, too, that everyone's like, he could be like a borderline Hall of Famer because of his Ryder Cup record, but he doesn't have that major on his resume. And I really think he wants to get one, obviously. And if he can get that putter rolling, if he can make a few putts, that's like the one big downfall of his game. He usually strikes it pretty damn good week in, week out. He's pretty high in ball striking, pretty high in greens and rag. So he just has to get the putter going. But I think it'd be really fun to see a native countryman, especially with not having the Open last year, uh, to see England be able to – do we know the fan situation over there? Uh, I know England is a totally different deal right now. I do not know what the fan situation is. I would assume it's not – it's not going to be packed like the guys have been seeing now in the States. Yeah, you're probably right. I know England has been way far behind, not necessarily in in cases. Like, I don't think their cases are any higher. I think their government's a little crazy. So, And this isn't a, a podcast about politics, uh, but it just seems a little asinine. That you've got how many people storm in the streets of England for the, the – uh, Euro Cup, you know, when Italy won or whatever, and England was in the final. But so, then they're probably. Go so ahead. according to Golf Digest, they'll actually have thirty-two thousand spectators a day. Oh damn, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, so it'll be a pretty pretty packed house. Fairly, I mean, it's not going to be like in years past, but at least a little better. There's nothing. There's like golf tournaments in general it's like the one sport you can play during covid and have no spectators and still see the athletes go out there and perform relatively the same way but other than like the Ryder cup like the crowd is makes golf tournaments so much more fun especially majors the masters the open championship like those people love golf and they don't get to see all these guys on the pga tour a ton in person unless they fly all the way you know across to america so uh, I'm, i'm expecting a pretty rowdy crowd there at royal st george yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing, and that's why I feel like an Englishman will really try to gut up and win it, because can you imagine the the crowd like store, running down 18, kind of like we saw at the um, PGA? Was it, was it, yeah, at the PGA Championship this year. I think we could see maybe something similar over at the British, like some big John Daly vibes with the fairway just completely completely full of people coming running up the fairway following him so i think that'd be really cool to see a native countryman win it um but uh, do you have anything to say about the scottish open before we preview the the golf course at royal st george's no honestly i you know it's a, a good it was a good test for a lot of the guys to get get onto that playing surface and get ready for you know what should be a nicer weekend but there's going to be wind there's going to be a little bit of moisture i would think at some point so a lot of those guys uh, they they kind of in my rankings my personal rankings and when i was trying to make my picks for this week they definitely vaulted up there if they played in that versus if they you know won the john deere or just won last week uh, but before we tell you guys about the Open Championship, we have to tell you about DraftKings, and that's DraftKings is DNVR's official partner, and they are giving you an offer that you just cannot turn down this week. Uh, now that 
the basketball is still NBA is still in the finals. The Bucks and Suns are battling it out. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you 150 to one odds in site credit. If you all you have to do is pick a basketball team, and if they win, I think the Bucks are like minus five tomorrow at home, game four. They've only lost one game at home this entire playoff run, so Bucks are looking pretty good, uh, and the Suns are not going to win in four, which I love to see, and hopefully they don't win in six or seven or anything at all. Um, but all you have to do is bet $1, use that promo code DNVR, and then you can win $150 in site credits where you can start betting on golf with us. Um, there's always golf tournaments to bet on, even throughout the off-seasons, quote-unquote, of any other sport. There really is no off-season for golf. Um, but you get $150 in site credits if you win, if that team wins and you use the promo code DNBR. So for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, you must be 21 or older to receive this offer in Colorado only and new customers only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, so before we preview Royal St. George Mitchell, give the, give the people a peek into... Just how you know, like, let's let's act like they've never played a round of golf before. What what is the what is the big difference between playing in Europe and playing overseas and playing golf here in America or Colorado or wherever you're listening to this podcast from? Not in Europe. Um, I I would say just the biggest thing is how firm. The biggest difference for me was just how firm all the surfaces are. They a lot of the golf courses are built on a lot of sand over there. Uh, it's very firm ground that a lot of these courses are being built on and they keep them so closely mown and, and they're not meant to be lush green you know they're they can be at times if they get a lot of moisture but they can brown out and that's actually when they play at their best because the all the undulation in the golf course is really taken into account then at that point you know it's over here in America you're trying to fly the ball all the way to the hole as high as you can with a lot of spin and stop it right by the hole and it over there it's just a much more creative style of game where you're you're playing certain slopes and it's almost just like a, a different type of canvas for the the player to paint a picture on it's it's so much more fun to pull off a shot that's that creative over there where you're taking a seven iron from 120 and you're chipping it into the slope and it's catching this slope down to the right or whatever and you know and it's just so much fun like it's hard to really put into words but you really have to be on point with your ball striking because there is no give in the ground if you hit an inch behind it you're gonna blade the absolute shit out of it It, there's just really no two ways about it and it's just so much more firm the greens are ridiculously firm there's really no landing it by the hole and then you have the wind that comes into account, which is another reason why those courses are so firm all the time is because it's always blowing. Uh, it's just blowing the moisture right out of the ground. So uh, it's, a, it's definitely a different test. But the one thing I will say, the fairways are generally much wider. Um, it's it's harder to, to lose a ball on a link-style course. Uh, it's more about the second shot and being able – to work the ball a certain way and being able to control your trajectory and it's about avoiding just massive blow-up holes there's gonna be you're gonna make bogeys over there you know you're gonna catch a bad break you're gonna hit a slope here and there but you can't hit it in the the fescue and then and then plug yourself up against the lip of a, a pot bunker 
you know, you, you have to avoid the doubles, triples, and quads, which will inevitably happen this week at Royal St. George's. But the, the guys who win at the Open are generally the most patient that week and then persevere the most because it, it is a, a, a just a different test. You know, you're not going to go out there and just fire flags and make a bunch of birdies. You're going to go into the wind. You're going to go downwind. There's so much to take into account. And for any of those of you who don't know about Lynx golf, a lot of times Lynx golf was set up way back in the day, um, back in the mid to late 1800s, sometimes even earlier than that, maybe late 1700s in 1800s that area well this uh, so this course was built uh this course was built in or had its first open in 19 or 1894 yeah so it's that's 123 years 127 years ago okay 1894 is when royal st george has made its open debut okay yeah so 107 years or 127 years that's pretty wild uh Oh, where was I going with this? You're talking about link style, and I think one thing I wanted to add is looking at uh, you know the course overview and kind of looking at what Royal St George is going to play like this week. Uh, something I found interesting is they there's a lot of link style golf. The fairways are really adjoin, adjoining, and in this at this course they're actually really not like there. There's a lot of like. I think it was, there was a quote from Colin Montgomery or something that was like, "You just you don't go into another fairway if you blow it way right or left. You just get deeper into the rubbish." And there's going to be a lot of guys hitting some wild shots, out you know where you can't see the ball. They're going to be hitting out of a lot of fescue. And like you said, perseverance and patience is a huge key because this isn't the John Deere Classic where it's like, "Oh, I just made a bogey. Let's go make three birdies in a row." Uh, in the last two opens here at Royal St. George, there's only been seven total players under par. So, you know, we're yeah, looking at it. That's insane. We're looking at a two to three to four under max winner, I think, this week, unless it's just perfect conditions and super soft and rains and somebody tears it up. But I don't think we're yeah. going to see a lot of low scores, which also makes this tournament way more fun to watch because it's not birdie, 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 which can be fun. Um, but it's, it's more fun watching guys make 10 to 12 footers for par after an impossible second shot and a, a great chip that rolled out, you know, way past where it should have. So, and something else you mentioned is creativity is going to be a huge thing this week. And around the greens, you have to find different spots to land it. You can't just land it at the flag. You can't even chip some of the chips you're going to see. They they can't even land those on the green, even if they have green to work with. It's it's just an all different style of golf. Yeah, and so the one thing I was going to mention real quick for those of you who don't know about like the the origins of link style golf a lot of these courses are set up uh because if there's no golf carts you know you couldn't drive a lot of the courses were set up to where nine holes went straight out one way in the same direction for nine and then the back nine you turned around and came straight back to the clubhouse so you'd end up at the clubhouse your furthest point away would be on the 10th tee and because of not having golf carts but what that means for the players is what no matter what wind you have you're gonna it for every hole you have an advantage with the wind you're gonna have a disadvantage either on your way out or on your way back you know so there's really no cut and dry advantage to the wind if it's really windy they're gonna try to make some birdies on the downwind holes and that's the other thing too that a lot of people don't realize about 
links golf and just with how you deal with wind when it's that firm you it's not like these guys are going to turn it into a pitch and putt when it's really firm you know they're they have to strategize because you leave yourself a 40 or 50 yard approach shot to a pretty tucked flag with those kinds of conditions there's no, no way you're gonna be able to get it close yeah no chance huh? at no chance at hitting that close at all yeah so these guys are gonna have to manage their game they're gonna have to manage the course leave themselves good distances to where they feel like they can control the spin control the trajectory and and hopefully just find a few birdies here and there and hold on yeah it's so much fun to watch and it's stupid early in the morning i think some of the tea times start at like 11 55 p.m over here so you can watch some super late golf some super early golf you know it's uh yeah that's tomorrow night technically or i mean we're recording this tuesday so yeah it's technically tonight right i believe no tomorrow night oh tomorrow night okay all right, so let's get into our DraftKings picks for the the final major of the year. Still a couple of great events that we're going to be definitely betting on in the Olympics and the Ryder Cup, but this is kind of the last one that we go all out for. And remember, we're going to give you guys... Um, so last week, I don't think we mentioned this earlier, but at the John Deere, we did have two top tens. Uh, Luke List, nice pick by Mitchell, big drive Mitch over there, plus 900 to top 10. He was leading the tournament for a while. I got a cash out option and I didn't take it, so that was my mistake. But And then a Hank Lebiota, a guy that's been playing some really good golf, had like three top 10s in a row. He had his, uh, had his third this week at plus 450, so we're up a couple units from the little John Deere Classic. Too bad we couldn't cash a winner, but that's what we're about to do now. So Mitchell... Let's hear it. Log into the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Let's let's see what your picks are. And reminder for those people, we usually take these guys, we're going to give you their winning odds and their top 10 odds, and you can bet those however you like, but these are our favorite picks for the week. And just a couple of funny stats about Royal St. George and the two, the last two Opens that have been here. Um, they were won by Darren Clark in 2011. He was 150 to 1 odds to win. And eight years before that, it was won by Ben Curtis, who, depending upon what illegal underground book you were using at the time in 03, uh, he was between 300 and 500 to 1, and it was his first major he'd ever played in, and then he won it. So um, some kind of out-of-left-field winners here. Um, and I'm kind of picking a few. I think three, all three of my guys have never won a major. So I'm, I'm looking um, for a first-timer. I'm, I'm in the same boat here. Uh, so you want me to start us off? Yeah, give it give it to us. Give it to us straight. Okay, so um, I'm rolling with all Englishmen. I know it's a little bit on the nose. I've been talking about it all pod. But I'm rolling all Englishmen. Um, one of the few majors, like I said, that is played in England. These guys are tough dudes. They, they live in shit weather. They deal with the wind and the rain all year, so they... Um, they got kind of an attitude. They know what it takes to win over there. Um, I'm rolling with... Uh, Tyrrell Hatton, he's plus 300 to top 10, which I don't love, but he's plus 3,500 to win. I think he's bet, he's probably one of the top five players in the world without a major at this point. He's played some really good golf. He's had a lot of really high finishes. He is uh, from England, and I think he is poised to have a good week this week, and he's just a hilarious dude. We've talked about him multiple times. Um, another Englishman, like I said, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick played really well last week at Scottish, the Scottish Open, and he's been playing some really damn good golf these last few years. He, he's just a really cons- low-key consistent player. You don't hear his name said that 
much, but he's had some pretty high finishes on the PGA Tour, European Tour. I think he's won, um, and he's never won a major before, so why not do it in your home country? And then, like I said, Ian Poulter, plus 8,000. He he's, looks like he's playing really well. He, If you follow him on Twitter, he's stoked to be back in England, get a proper cup of tea. Apparently, uh, America doesn't know how to do do proper tea. Um, so he's over there with his tea and crumpets, pinkies out, ready to open up rooms and plus 8,000, dude. Yeah, that's pretty insane for a dude that uh, shot that low of a score on Sunday and is feeling himself right now, especially going into a tournament. Exactly. What what kind of momentum do you think he's got shooting 63 in his last round and now heading over to Royal St. George's and just balling out? Um, so my three picks for this week are going to be, um, let's see here, who should I start with? All right, uh, Will Zalatoris. This is a guy that's jumped onto the tour um, as of recently, he played in the Scottish Open last week. He shot 10 under. Uh, actually, a couple of my guys that I'm picking this week shot 10 under at the Scottish Open. Uh, he's plus 7,000 to win and plus 600 to top 10. One big thing is going to be uh, greens and regulation and, and hitting greens, being around, even being around the greens and being really good around the greens here because it's not going to be a lot of you know birdie putts and all that good kind of stuff. So it's... Uh, Will Zalatoris is 17th on tour in greens and regulation right now. Um, he had a real good scare, gave him gave uh, Hideki Matsuyama a scare at the Masters, so I think he's ready to win a major, and I think it's his time. So lock that in with Will Zalatoris, plus 7,000 and plus 600 to top 10. Uh, another guy that was 10 under last week and a uh, real good player around the greens. He's 6th on tour this year in strokes gained around the greens is Tommy Fleetwood, and he's from England. So... Uh, another guy that I'm looking to that could win this in his home country. If somebody from England wins it and it's not one of our picks, it's going to be a pretty unfortunate week for all of us. Uh, he is plus 4,000 and plus 300 to top 10. And then my last one, real big wild card here, just like yours with Ian Poulter at plus 8,000. Uh, my guy is also plus 8,000, and that's Ricky Fowler. Uh, kind of a resurgent last couple of weeks. He is plus 8,000 to win and plus 600 to top 10. He is 11th on tour, so just around Tommy Fleetwood's area and strokes gained around the green. And with the two weird winners that we had in Clark and Ben Curtis at Royal St. George, like why not just be a random, like Ricky Fowler's never won a major. He's won the fifth major in the players, but I think it's his week to break out and finally um, finally break into the major circle. He, he, uh, he deserves it and he's been working on his game, so I, I hope to see Ricky in the winner's circle this weekend. But... Uh, those are our picks. I appreciate you guys all joining us for this short little episode. Make sure to tune in. Uh, later this week, we're going to talk with the assistant professional of TPC Colorado and kind of get his mind and go go in the, behind the scenes a little bit on what it's like to run a Corn Ferry Tour event, and especially with a playoff. I saw him running around 16 and all that kind of stuff. So we're definitely going to talk to him and get, get some good insight on what it's like to run a professional tournament. But until then, enjoy the Open. Lock in those picks on the DraftKings Sportsbook, and we'll talk to y'all next week. Peace.